Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this, my friends, is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napson. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and I am happy to be here in my home talking to Ken and all of you. 
We are here indeed. Uh, two years and running almost via Zencaster. And, you know, we're still, we got the rhythms down, Joseph. We don't step on each other too much. I don't think so. It's the sweet sounds of broadcasting in sweatpants, I think, is working well. <laughs> and we don't even turn on the cameras. We, we just we just jump right in like we're Anakin uh, uh, balancing on a droid on Mustafar. Just, exactly. You roll out of bed in sweatpants, bedhead, and talk Star Wars. It's pretty great. We're going to talk a lot of news. We got some cues. Those are the questions. Uh, a lot of stuff to get to this week. As always with news, we sometimes play catch up and some stories drop as we're recording and uh, little tiny things in the casting news. Man, uh, I thought we were going to have a little quiet time. I, every time I think that, it's a, it's a big week. Uh, before we uh, get to all that, though, let's just remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think we, you uh, should try out on us. But uh, as always, Joseph, that is not all for the offers. No, there's so much more. That's what Luke Skywalker was saying in the Last Jedi <laughs> teaser trailer. There's so <laughs> many more offers. Inside Editions is a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books. They also have a bunch of other wonderful pop culture books about other topics as well as Star Wars. They're offering 35% off across their website if you use this special link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we are continuing to recommend the Inside Editions book, Secrets of the Sith. Do you have a person in your family, maybe a child, maybe an adult, who just loves Sheev Palpatine? <laughs> this is the book for you. Again, you can use this link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Use it, my friends. Use it. Do it, as <laughs> Alpatine would say. Um, we always like to catch up with some life adventures or Star Wars adventures. Uh, you know, it's getting that uh, busy time here as we race towards 2031. Uh, the years <laughs> and days are going by. But uh, <laughs> Joseph, how was your life? And did Star Wars find its way into it? Oh, Star Wars always finds a way to mash up another uh, genre phrase. Uh, yeah, no, it's been a, it's a, been a busy time, a uh, lot of uh, stress in, in good ways, trying to keep up with everything. Um, but this weekend, my wife and I uh, went out of town from L.A. We stayed at this uh, lovely little inn that is uh, right on the beach, just a little bit outside of uh, L.A., and uh, mostly just watch the ocean. And even that is a Star Wars adventure yeah. <laughs> because my mind drifts to Star Wars. We watched the entire sunset and, you know, because of all the deep thoughts that we get to discuss here uh, on Force Center, I think a lot about the lessons that I've learned from Star Wars about, um, you know, just the the cycle of life, <laughs> taking yeah. a deep breath and trying to be in the moment. And I think of all that when I watch the ocean. And then I also think of, you know, the High Republic where some Jedi see the Force as an ocean. So I had some nice just relaxing and deep philosophical Star Wars moments. Uh, but then I went to an antique store and, and looked at Star Wars things that I could buy mm. with money, which is another big part of my Star Wars love. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> toys or money? <laughs> uh, toys. I mean, money to me, money, that's just Star Wars coupons, right? That's the way that's I right. saw it as a child. Right. <laughs> and now I see it as like rent coupons as well as Star Wars toys. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Uh, yeah. But so I went to this antique store. I've, I've been there uh, before and I wanted to just kind of check in on, on what's there. And the thing that I really focused on this time, uh, they had many copies of it. So, so I contained myself and I didn't buy it maybe next time. Uh, but they have a bunch of toys and, you know, ornaments. They have, Ken, some mm -hmm. 
Revenge of the Sith era, Revenge of the Sith focused uh, Valentine's Day cards. What? <laughs> it's the kind of stuff that, like, you know, if I just had to bet, does this exist? Mm. I'd be like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But mm. I'm sure I probably picked it up and looked at it and laughed about it at a Target in 2005. But it's just a hell of a thing to see in an antique store that mm. is, you know, so far now in the distant path, uh, past. And it's it's so funny. Like uh, I, I could share every single card, but the one that really cracked me up because uh, one of these boxes was just, was displayed so I could see the front and the back in the glass case, you know, to protect mm. right. this antique. Uh, General Grievous's card says. It's what's on the inside that counts. <laughs> and it, you just imagine him saying that to, it's what's on the inside that counts, Valentine. And then like just hacking up uh, just huge amounts of phlegm, right? So someone was having a great day at work and was like, F this job, I'm coming up with this one. <laughs> General Kenobi, it's what's on the inside that counts, Valentine. It's so that's, funny to me. That's hilarious. That's great. Yeah. So yeah. that was my Star Wars adventure from depth to Valentine's Day cards. Oh, I love that. I love that indeed. Uh, uh, no Valentine cards for me quite yet, uh, but uh, did get to, to enjoy uh, a great experience on a podcast. An episode's going to be coming out soon. It's called the How Do You Figure podcast. And uh, <laughs> someone just, uh, it's all about toys and collectibles and figures hosted uh, by Blake Schultz and Justin Donaldson. And um, I, I hadn't heard it before and everything it was one thing just got tagged on a, on a, thread they just done an episode on the phantom menace figures with a, a pro wrestler a local la uh, based pro wrestler named johnny yuma and someone just kind of tagged me wrestling and star wars figures ken must need to hear about this so i ended up uh, long <laughs> time, got connected with uh, the guys it turns out we all live within like a five minute radius of each other which is crazy. <laughs> uh and uh, one of us we actually kind of worked together for a little bit of screen junkies we just didn't know each other uh weird 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 um Great time, a lot of fun reflecting on Star Wars toys. We were focusing on the micro collection line from 82. That's going to come out. I'll let you all know about it, but it's just uh, just fun because they're not, uh, it's not a Star Wars focused podcast per se, but man, it, 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 the power of Star Wars toys and, and the connection that it helps just, just breed immediately in people who have never met, right? Just the shared experiences and Justin's kind of maybe more in our, our age group, like a little younger, uh, more special edition prequel era generation uh, fan. But, uh, you know, just I, I pulled out the actual micro collection figures I still have. And it's like, you know, we're immediately talking. We're immediately connected and immediately have things to share uh, about Star Wars. And I think that's the power of Star Wars toys talking about what the key parts of the fandom there. Yeah, no, I, I, I love all of the discussion that there's been around toys in the last couple years. Uh, not that they haven't always been popular, but I think just a, a real appreciation that they are symbols of these larger ideas of the individual characters of the story of Star Wars, but then also of the life experience of, did you have this one? Did you covet this one? Did you even know this one existed? They are, they're little conversation starters, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Enough to be on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the many things I love about them. I'm glad that uh, the toys can continue to bring people together. Yeah, absolutely they can. So look for that. A lot of fun. And, you know, uh, Justin and I were very familiar with the line. Blake had just kind of only heard about it in lore, you know. And and uh, uh, there's a revelation that happens on the show. I won't spoil it. That's actually pretty funny that he, he couldn't believe uh, what we were telling him about these uh, Michael Collection figures. So uh, look for that, uh, but always fun. And then, yeah, for me, just in life, you know, trying. To, I'm having one of those I need to – 
hear the words of Qui-Gon again and again. You focus on serving <laughs> reality. I'm trying to do some things both with productivity, scheduling. I uh, met with a friend of mine just like, I, you know, I, I need to organize my life and career a little bit better. So working on that. And that is a that is about being present uh, and 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 how your focus literally can determine your reality and what's coming. So I've been living with the words of Qui-Gon a lot this weekend, which again shows you that Phantom Menace has some staying power, even for a old generation trilogy fan like me who scoffed at it in 99. I didn't know that I that what I was scoffing at would help me 20 plus years later. Yeah, that's great when a when a scoff becomes a help. Mm-hmm. We all need helpful scoffs. No, that's not right. That's not right. So that's uh, Star Wars and Life Adventures. Uh, Joseph, if you're ready, we're going to dive into some uh, some he- a thick bubble of Star Wars news. Ah, this is all news that's uh, that I'm excited to talk about. Even the challenging stuff I'm excited for today. Uh, I guess uh, Qui-Gon's been whispering in my ear. We're going to need Qui-Gon to whisper in the ear because, I, yeah, I was challenged by some of the news earlier in the week. And it's okay. It's okay to be challenged, get a little grumpy. Face some truths, but also accept uh, other, I don't know, just get to the news because I don't want to get, I'm going to get myself pretty grumpy. I'm going to get myself pretty grumpy. It's not fair fair to the listeners. Uh, First story is actually really cool, really positive. This is from Deadline First. They reported the exclusive that ahead of the March 2022 production date of Ahsoka, Natasha Lou Bordizzo is set to play Sabine Wren. Bordizzo is an Australian-born actor most known for her role in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. Uh, some details about her. She has a black belt in Taekwondo, has trained in Kempo Karate and Wu Dang sword fighting. She knows how to fight, or maybe uh, with karate, some of it is how not to fight, which is kind of Jedi-like, I think. <laughs> so, Joseph, that's kind of the headlines. Um, one of the things that, of course, as we always like to point out, not officially confirmed from StarWars.com, uh, and there's a lot of rumors and stuff lying around about the Ahsoka casting. We know we got the you know Hayden Christensen uh, back as Anakin Vader, uh, just back, let's just say that. <laughs> others, again, others rumored, we're, we'll, we'll maybe mention them, but we're not we're, we're treating it all as uh, elevated rumors, at least right now. But this one seems pretty good coming from Deadline. What do you think about uh, Natasha Lou Bordizzo, Joseph? Well, uh, first, compliments on the turn of phrase elevated rumor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So much news lately is a report, a rumor, but not a confirmation or a press release from, you know, actual Lucasfilm. So yeah. I think we're going to have to start having uh, our different uh, kind of uh, <laughs> levels, right? <laughs> is this a four alarm rumor? Is this an elevated rumor? <laughs> levels of truth. Mm-hmm. A rumor drenched in shadow. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, this is really exciting. I, I think the most exciting part of it to me is just Sabine Wren in live action, right? It's something that has been rumored, discussed, uh, hoped for. Uh, so having a little bit more uh, possible confirmation, not actual confirmation, possible confirmation is really great. I have not watched any of the things uh, that this particular performer is in, so I don't have any strong opinions about uh, mm. the performer or kind of guesses. Uh, mm-hmm. about that the one thing that i do think is is interesting you highlighted obviously the um underwent all of this intensive training specifically mm-hmm. to be in crouching tiger hidden dragon sort of destiny according right. to her, her uh wikipedia uh, no wikipedia she doesn't have a wikipedia page yet but she will <laughs> a wikipedia page uh but then also i'm seeing that she was in the greatest showman which uh mm-hmm. i have not seen uh but i am very aware of it of it was this kind of a, fascinatingly uh slow hit right that yeah 
that doesn't happen as often, but it had a fine box office and then just stayed and stayed and stayed. Right. But the thing that's interesting about that to me is this is yet more casting for a Disney Plus show, a Star Wars show that is bringing in a performer that a lot of people might really know from a different pocket of entertainment, right? I mean, yeah. if you're a, a hardcore musical fan, um, you're interested in The Greatest Showman, right? It is uh, one of the highest growing, grossing, you know, live action musicals of all time. So that's interesting to me if that is going to continue to be a highlight of the casting philosophy to bring mm -hmm. in performers that, of course, got to be a good match for the character, got to be a great uh, actor, but are kind of bringing with them like uh, a little bit of a different fan group to maybe check this out. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, uh, uh, especially bringing in the musical thing. Uh, it, it, you know, I'm waiting for Sabine to sing. No, but uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously they're going to try to bring in the best person. I think there's a... I mean, I, immediately seeing the the pictures and the headshots going around, and uh, I too haven't seen Greatest Showman. Uh, I'm not too familiar with her work. I know a lot of people in our force in our Discord were really happy uh, to see her cast, uh, based on their knowledge of her previous work. But just the the visual image, I'm like, oh, hey, that's Sabine. <laughs> yeah, no, there's some great Sabine energy, uh, and, and 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 that's not the 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 be all end all of casting choices, of course, but. Yeah, and there's just something great about uh, this 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 training she has and what she can be able to do. And yes, there's stunt performers that do most of the work, but uh, just having someone be able to kind of um, live in this potential action as someone who may or may not, it, you know, still have the dark saber or have it again or had it definitely in the past. We know so. Uh, what kind of action are we gonna get in the series always comes to mind. And uh, yeah, the 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 the, the pulling from uh, different uh, different genres is an interesting take too. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in India, yeah, the the question of uh, what, what if she can wield a, a weapon in this show? If, if uh, Sabine is going to wield a weapon, mm. you know, that's uh, that's very fascinating. Getting into the uh, all the timeline stuff and uh, the the per perhaps overlap with the Mandalorian. Um, I think uh, the, my only my only other thought about the actual casting, as mm -hmm. opposed to Sabine being in the show, is. Uh, I'm always going to feel a little bit bad for the voice actors, <laughs> yeah. but that's one of those things I just, I need to let go because you know, the, the world is uh, what it is. I'm not in these rooms. I'm not making these decisions. I think, uh, Tia Sarkar, uh, who voice Sabine is a great actor. You know, I think she's great in, uh, in a good place. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of her other work, but I, she's a great, uh, you know, uh, live action, uh, performer as well. But I think, yeah, I think I just need to accept, uh, that, Katie Sackhoff being Bo-Katan in live action is going to be the exception, not the rule. Yeah, 100%, right? It's it's engineered a little different of uh, let's design this character around this actor. Uh, uh, in fact, we just covered her debut on Clone Wars, on Clone Wars Report, uh, and how Filoni was like, hey, let's, let's let's do this. Let's bring her in and... and yeah, uh, with you on it, you know, the, the Ashley Eckstein stuff uh, around uh, the Rosario Dawson casting. Now this, uh, you know, and I, I, I'm not what, not surprised. I think we talked about it before. Uh, Tia Sakar is a talent performer, as, as is Ashley Eckstein, but uh, is the lay of the land. And uh, this does kind of make sense. I'm even scrolling through, as we're talking, I'm scrolling through her IMDb. She was in uh, Guns Akimbo with Daniel Radcliffe, and she's got some... Uh, multicolored kind of hair going and there's a shot i was like 
I would have just submitted this and said, I can be Sabine. Yes. Like it's just, it's just <laughs> looks like Sabine of uh, craziness. So um, yeah. And that's always going to be going to be it, but uh, you're right. Uh, like, like, like good Jedi, uh, you might have to let some of that casting stuff go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Sabine uh, coming to live action. This is as close to a confirmation as we've got yet. We know that a lot, again, a lot of rumors, a lot of thoughts about what's going to be in Ahsoka. We don't know. Uh, a lot of official things quite yet, but this, as we said, we're, we're playing that we're playing this one as uh, as elevated rumors, as I said, but official enough from deadline. Uh, Joseph Sabine, live action, uh, search for Ezra, Thrawn, Ahsoka. What do you got? Where are you at with it right now? Because I'm we know I know we've had this conversation before, and we'll probably have it again when the more things are confirmed. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. Um, I know that some fans uh, are feel like have a little bit of consternation of like why why is the Ahsoka show the live action Rebels sequel mm. right? right and I totally understand having those concerns and those questions I just have a lot of trust that this is going to be constructed where this is Ahsoka's journey and then the, these other characters will be um, treated with great respect because you know <laughs> Filoni has every reason to <laughs> respect yeah. these characters <laughs> yeah. uh, that he created co-created co-wrote um, so I, I'm I'm not for myself too worried about that i think there's even the possibility that if this is ahsoka's journey but we are learning a lot about who ahsoka is and what she's going through uh based on this search for ezra that that focus is still going to be ahsoka as the main character the same way the mandalorian is uh really successful in mm -hmm. in my opinion about being about din Djarin. yeah but then it's setting these other characters up to go off and have other adventures so you know I don't need everything to be a spinoff, <laughs> right, right. but it, it's also exciting to me of, well, once we get Sabine established in live action, where else could we go? Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm the things I'm excited about is um, I'm very excited to see exactly what her feelings are after the war, right? Because this yeah. is most likely going to be happening then mm -hmm. her kind of relationship or feelings for Ezra uh, in particular her feelings about Mandalore of mm -hmm. whatever exactly has happened to Mandalore during the Galactic Civil War, which I think we know a lot of bad stuff happened. The Mandalorian show has made it clear that some people think the planet is unlivable. Other people think that's a rumor that it's not actually literally as destroyed. Mm. Um, but the, the fact that, you know, Sabine is going to be active in this time period, live action, when she has at one point handled the Darksaber, and yeah. basically the cliffhanger of The Mandalorian Season 2 is, uh, Din's got the Darksaber and he doesn't want it, but Bo-Katan does. And knowing that these these shows are perhaps going to come together, right? Mm -hmm. To some big event. Sabine seems really important that, well, Sabine has this relationship with Ahsoka and Ezra with this story over here, but she has just as big of a relationship with what's going on in possibly in the Mandalorian season three. She really does really, really has a place at that table. You're absolutely right. And, and yeah, the, the crossover event uh, that was, um, I won't say promised, but mentioned on, on the investor day a year, uh, two years ago now, no a year ago now, man, there's no time these days. Um, <laughs> I think you're right. And, and look, I've said before and I, and I, I can still get behind the idea of, man, it would have been great to have the rebels animated team, both cast and creators come back and finish what they um, had started though. I, I've, consider rebels pretty finished as, as a good show as a great ending and, and, and did what it needed to do. Um, but 
with Filoni and these characters that you're right, he creates and he really uh, wants to continue the stories and find the ways to do it. I really do trust that it will be done right. And I'm just, I got to say at this point, this is why I always ask about where, where you're at right now with it. I'm more excited than I would even have thought I was just to see it play out. And one of the things you're touching on, if you get these characters in the live action and it can work and, and you can make it work without a doubt, um, there is some constraints in uh, some fans on the animated programs. I have, I have a lot of diehard Star Wars friends of mine who are like, yeah, I don't really watch the cartoons, right? And you can have that old debate of animated versus cartoon that we've been fighting our whole life. <laughs> um, but I get it. I do get it. And if Filoni's, I'm not saying this is the sole reason, but like, hey, this opportunity now exists because of Disney Plus. I can take these characters, break them through that animation wall, present them to more Star Wars fans who maybe would be more open to it. Then who knows? Remember years ago, a couple years ago, it was like, give us an Ahsoka movie. There was no chance in hell that I would have thought they would have done a <laughs> Ahsoka movie, uh, you know, instead of Solo or Kenobi, any of this stuff that was rumored, because it, it was still an animated character. Now, the possibility exists. You want to talk about the future of the franchise? You could do stuff. It could get beyond Disney plus if it works in live action. And if these characters get uh, new fans behind them and new fans discover them uh, by new fans, I mean, old fans, quite frankly, or like, <laughs> it's just, I heard about this cartoon. Um, so I'm interested in that. I'm interested in that. And you get a, a good performer like this uh, booked into the role that you can build things around that uh, not just beyond just this crossover event potential. It could go anywhere in the star Wars galaxy. Yeah, absolutely. And you get those great uh, things on Disney Plus that are like, hey, here are the essential Sabine episodes, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and get it's helpful for Star Wars to encourage people to enjoy what already exists, like you're saying, which I think mm -hmm. is great. I also just think I'm excited to see Sabine and Ahsoka team up, not just because they're two characters I like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and Ahsoka is still pretty new to live action uh, and, and Sabine brand new to live action. But this time period, after the Galactic Civil War is really interesting to me because they are both from kind of uh, shattered communities. Yeah. And if they're looking for Ezra, to me, this is a story about rebuilding connection, right? About like mm -hmm. what's next. And I think it's so important, such a, a foundation building that Ahsoka does seem like she's going through a hard time in her one episode in The Mandalorian that, yeah. She is moving forward. She has a mission, but there's sadness about everything that's been lost. There's sadness about Anakin. And that just makes me really hopeful that this Ahsoka show could be, you know, a, a really uplifting Star Wars story of we've lost a lot. We, we've got this relief that the Empire fell, you know, yeah. uh, Palpatine is gone. But both Ahsoka and, and Sabine going, looking around and going, okay, what's left? Mm. Now we're off in the galaxy to pick up the pieces, to literally journey out into the unknown and reconnect with our lost loved one. But within that, just the much larger, like the Jedi are gone. Mandalore is shattered. Uh, you know, Sabine's rebels, uh, you know, family has kind of split and gone their own ways. Yeah. What is, you know, it just sounds so possibly uplifting to have this story of rebuilding and, and finding the new community the new normal. Yeah. That, that new normal thing's powerful. That, that use of uh, that uh, phrase, a shattered community, very powerful. Uh, and I'd love to see that at play all around this new Republic era. Right. Um, I don't know why this made me think of it. Like princess bride, Mandy Patinkin as uh, you know, finally gets revenge 
Uh, and it's like, what do you do now? <laughs> you spent your exactly. whole life trying to get revenge on the six figure man. It happens. And, and, and it's, it's still there. And there's some, some trauma processing themes at play. There's um, like you said, the identity, the new normal. And, and, and that's some of the stuff that's definitely at play in, in Mando. And I'm fascinated by that beyond just the continuing of that rebel story and finding Ezra and, and, and Purgles and Thrawn and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm really cool with just discovering that on a plot point idea, but I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, this idea of in 1983, we all saw the, the win. We all saw the Ewoks celebrate. We saw the fireworks coming out of the, the butts of the A-wings and yay. And, you know, and, and now we get to deal, we get a chance to continue the storytelling, which means you wake up the next day and, and figure it out. And I think that's prevalent in the sequel trilogy a lot you and i you and i've talked about the the the, the legacy that, that might weigh you down as well as move you forward um n- new generations dealing with what came before but the actual now we're in that time period with characters who like you said the great what do we do now and who are we and that that could be potentially powerful and dave knows how to play with those themes dave and his team know how to play with those themes uh while also keeping um and in, in, in connected to that hope uh, over fear kind of uh, theme that should be all throughout all star wars yeah absolutely and I, I think final big thing for me is one of the things i've always liked about sabine's character is um the idea of art and culture and kind of this what are we fighting for what is the antithesis mm-hmm. of uh the empire's rigidity and control and you know <laughs> yeah. uh just large gray angular angry objects <laughs> yeah, yeah. floating through spaces it's yeah. art right it's life it's you know individuality and sabine being an artist it was just it's one of the kind of biggest explosions of let's just visually see that you know mm. uh that this is one of the things we're fighting for this kind of expression mm. um so i'm so excited to just see more of that in live action in the kind of storytelling you can do with you know a lot of her art was um sort of uh, 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 um, for the purpose of a, not propaganda isn't right, but for the purpose of like, I'm going to tag things with the rebellion spirit, literally, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to put, you know, inspirations on my own armor. Like what's her art like now, you know, and how much does her art play a role in, in finding Ezra even? Yeah, that's up. Yeah. And maybe I can finally get that answer. I've always wanted about uh, her painting that uh, picture of Cad Bane. You know, it's a very important question. (laughs) uh, Yeah. You heard it here first. Cad Bane is secretly Sabine's (laughs) father. That's what it's true. No, um, no. Well said. I love it. It's, it's, it's one of the interesting things about uh, her character that, 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 and, and for those who have not taken that deep dive into rebels, um, First of all, we always understand we, we, all kinds of Star Wars, ways to watch Star Wars and take in Star Wars, but it's it's worth it. And Sabine's one of the things that I think is really worth worth it, what that character grows into. That that Trials of the Dark Saber episode and that kind of whole run is some of the some of the best Star Wars I I, I've, I find for myself. I just love uh, those episodes, what they ask and what they're challenging uh, the characters on. And some great stuff, man. It's some great stuff. So take a look. We'll we'll give you the four center list of essential Sabine episodes for you. <laughs> exactly. That Trials of the Dark Saber is just phenomenal. It is indeed. So there you go. Natasha Lube or Dizzo in uh, the Ahsoka cast of Sabine Ran according to, to, to Deadline. Uh, maybe we'll get a confirmation down the line and we can talk about it all again here. All right. That's the news. That's it. We'll see you. Okay. <laughs> all right. So we're catching up on some news, both good, both 
confusing, frustrating, uh, all kinds of news, uh, but uh, in, including a little tidbit that came out today. And it's all centered around the woman at the top of the flow charts of the organizations of Disney and Lucasfilm, uh, Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, have you heard of her? Have you heard of her? Um, she <laughs> first some thing, tweets. Yeah, seen some tweets and some videos with red eyes. Uh, she first, let's start with what is, uh, we feel here for center is, uh, generally, uh, I'll let Joseph speak for uh, himself on this, of course, but Hey, generally <laughs> good news. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy is going to be in charge until 2024 contract got extended. Um, so let's just start simply with this, Joseph. She's had some great success here in a run of looks. Some absolutely some challenges. We're about to talk about some of that stuff, but what do we think just here on the, of, of this extension right here on the surface? Yeah, I think it's great. I, I really, uh, we're going to talk in our next uh, story about some of the um, ups and downs with the whole movie side of Lucasfilm. But I think Kathleen Kennedy uh, has done a great job. I think that she is um, has this experience and is a person who uh, there are only a few people mm-hmm. <laughs> who can do this job, uh, yeah. not in terms of uh, ability, but in terms of experience, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot very highly of Kathleen Kennedy. I think it is uh, great that she is uh, staying in charge because this would be, uh, I think, an awkward time to have a transition. It absolutely would be. Uh, and and I think some of it, um, you know, I, I think not just with Star Wars, but with a lot of stuff coming out, uh, Indiana Jones 5, uh, you know, the Willow series, a lot of like Lucasfilm properties, um, uh, you know, and pictures are on the way. And I think having her at the top to make sure they get out and get out. Okay. I think that's, that's tremendously valuable and tremendously important to the future success of Lucasfilm. So makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. I also think that there's, you know, Bob uh, Chapik is relatively new. Right. And, yeah. and we know uh, from things that, uh, you know, watching Bob cons, <laughs> <laughs> reading Bob books, uh, Bob Iger has just straight up taken uh, some responsibility for some decisions, right? Like he yeah. has just publicly said, I'm the one who insisted solo come out in May. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Kathleen Kennedy is the head of Lucasfilm, but there might be some wrangling with, you know, Disney, uh, yeah. big Disney decisions as well. So, I think having Kathleen Kennedy stay at Lucasfilm while Disney is also still finding its feet under a new uh, head honcho yeah, is is good, right? Yeah. Um, I, I also think that there's, every time that this comes up, that the contract's extended or, you know, the uh, rumors or not even rumors, just I think people saying it because they want clicks in, in yeah. some cases that, that she's out, right? I mean, it, yeah. it's gotten to be a joke of mm-hmm. which which random Twitter feed claims that they <laughs> have the info that Kathleen Kennedy is out, right? Um, there's always a little bit of a discussion of uh, uh, this blurring between uh, creators versus producers. And obviously mm-hmm. there can be overlap, right? Yep. Uh, but... Uh, I think a, a serious conversation about about Kathleen Kennedy is really about well, who is being prepared to take over, right? Yeah, and that's that is I think what would be interesting mm. uh, to me is 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 if there were um, elevated rumors as you said, <laughs> about somebody being ready to take over the mantle, uh, Michelle Rejwan being the senior vice president and yeah. having. In ex- a, a mm-hmm. large amount of experience, um, I don't think Favreau is interested because I think he's more on the creative side. But yeah. it does seem like he has that more. 
ah, you know what? I, I now that I when I finish this, I'd be happy to stop writing and directing and just yeah. be the overall guy, right? But even he, he, I think, is a little bit more in the. Mm. I want to have my finger in the creative pie, <laughs> yeah. as it were. So I, I don't know. I, I think these conversations can be benefited from a little less wild speculation and mm-hmm. a little bit more like look at the actual websites who's on the board right who yeah. who is who is who is whose career is actually being a producer yeah. <laughs> and are they in the experience do they have the resume to possibly take this on yeah no it's a it's a fun conversation i you know i'll, I'll put money down on michelle Rejwan now uh, looking at 2024 we'll see but it, it, things can change people move uh you know i can't imagine favreau be like run a studio I like I like going to food trucks. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that might not sound fun to him. And uh, you know, even the felony of it all, I get that. But I, I think you're looking at someone like Carrie Beck, who's probably got more of the resume that's being built. Uh, James Waugh, those kind of folks. But fascinating, yeah. See, there, I'm already distracted, Joe. So I want to I want to talk about 2024 if that's even the end, and probably it, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, it, definitely might not be the end 2024 might be when all all the movies are really cranking into high gear and then i think it's also important to remember that we've had a lot of things announced for disney plus we have a lot of things that are actively in production or post-production but disney plus the tv side of it really is still in its infancy so Mm. it makes sense to have that uh, continue to be shepherded uh, by kathleen kennedy for a while that's a great point. We're still, we're still, uh, uh, Disney Plus is uh, walking around in diapers still. still, still. <laughs> yep. Um, though the other side of this, we understand there's, there's definitely been some challenges. And guess what? There's always going to be challenges when you're doing big time picture making in the old Hollywood town. Uh, that's <laughs> nothing new. But this story came out. And it was interesting. This came out a little bit la- um, earlier in our uh, Force Center recording week. And I tried to go back to find some of it. And I couldn't even, Joseph, find all of the stories that I <laughs> needed to get to. Um, but let's just go with what we got here. Uh, former uh, Hollywood Reporter editor Matthew Baloney, uh, Baloney, Baloney, not Baloney, Baloney, <laughs> uh, reported in his newsletter that the previous news that we talked about last week, Rogue One, uh, Rogue Squadron, excuse me, um, was going to be delayed due to scheduling conflicts. Uh, has uh, that has act- more to do with creative differences between Jenkins and Lucasfilm Limited? All right, so nothing confirmed, uh, nothing confirmed. But we're going to talk about that here. This news was also accompanied by reports and rumors, and a lot of things going around. This is one of the ones I literally tried finding some of the stories on, and for some reason they weren't popping up. Um, <laughs> this urban legend called the Ryan Johnson trilogy uh, might be <laughs> off the board as well. As I said, nothing official from Lucasfilm or Disney. Wouldn't expect that. Uh, so let's tiptoe through the gossip mill, Joseph. Uh, without a doubt, the film side has battled some uh, you know, perceived director and creative issues, and by perceived, I mean you know there have been some. Uh, <laughs> Uh, going back to Josh Trank, uh, the Rogue One reshoots, Lord and Miller, Trevorrow, Benioff and Weiss, lest we forget, and uh, this whole Johnson trilogy thing, and now reportedly Jenkins. Uh, so let's dive on in, Joseph, to uh, the rumors, uh, this news, and some of it probably maybe even makes sense. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think there is definitely the possibility that what I would rank as a shadowy rumor Yes, yes. <laughs> not necessarily an elevated rumor. Uh, of course, it could be true because, yes, there has been uh, creative differences between Lucasfilm and uh, and different creators. Absolutely. Right. I do take this one with a grain of salt. I, I do think that um, 
these rumors come at different levels, jokes aside from elevated to shadowy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Different sources and different motivations. And then uh, we just see them as clickbait. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe clickbait isn't fair. We see them shared, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't stop to look exactly who reported this first where. And we just yeah. take it as, yeah, it's, it's happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um this one, I, I I think is uh, I, it is believable certainly, but I do take it with a big grain of salt. You know, this is a former Hollywood Reporter editor. Yeah. The the new the place that this news actually comes from is this uh, writer saying that they have sources, uh, but the actual article is titled "It's Time to Take Star Wars Movies Away from Kathy Kennedy." <laughs> it is on a you know a monetized site which there's nothing wrong with that a lot of sites are monetized uh called puck that i've never heard of before this myself and i can't even read the full initial newsletter newsletter without signing up for a free trial right. um which is all of which is to say you know I, I i'm not judging this person or this site uh but just to remember that sometimes when it's somebody who is reporting rumors from their sources the reporters have motivations too and this is an article that isn't just reporting news this is an op-ed piece this is an opinion yeah. piece titled it's time to take star wars movies away from kathy kennedy um so i just wanted to highlight that to just mm-hmm. kind of remind us to take a step back because mm-hmm. in particular uh in in that article it's just a casual side mention that the ryan johnson trilogy is shelved right and that i saw everywhere on social media is the absolute truth like mm-hmm. let, let's track uh, track where things come from and, and make our own assessments about, you know, is there any other motivation to what is being said? Yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, it's kind of been the lay of the land for a few years now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I agree that not everything, not everyone talking about this, including us is here to get clicks about it. it it's something uh, that's out there. And, and if you're covering star Wars or diving in star Wars, you can talk about it, but some of it absolutely is. Some of it absolutely is that driving spot, that driving uh, um, uh, point. And then, and then, you know, yeah. I, it, sorry, yeah, if I can just interject r- real quick because I, I uh, feel bad calling all news clickbait. Um, yeah, it, I think if news to me, if news is is just reported and put it out there, have your action. Great, it's news, it's entertainment news, it's journalism, it's great. I think for me, it is clickbait when it is framed in such a way to specifically cause anger and debate, or maybe to obfuscate part of it mm-hmm. in order to get the the you know strong visceral reaction click. You know, and I think there is a difference there. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And then the, the it's it's a sliding scale of 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 coverage in a way where he so he puts this out and 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 there's going to be people who are going to want to talk about this in the way of aha, see, I've always known she's horrible, and that's where that's where some like grumpiness starts coming in where the, they're not as actually analyzing some of it. And look, there's the conversations about her resume are are had all the time, and and we are on the side of look at the resume, uh, and look at what you know we believe she deserves to be here but with the 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 creative and director issues and everything at the end of the day joseph i just tossing this to you it it it, if you saw last jedi and went i don't like that you're going to point to all these examples that we talked about of why she doesn't know what she's doing right there's a lot of people seem to make that i didn't like that movie i didn't didn't, uh, therefore all these things add up to why that was horrible um yeah but if you're like us, we're like, man, Last Jedi really got me and I moved. I had to think about it, but man, I really love it. I really am. I cry six times at Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> we're going to come from it from that angle, too, which I have to admit. Like, oh, I'm like, no, I'm pretty happy. It uh, doesn't mean I don't look at some of these things that have gone wrong and go, oh, OK, what's going on there? Doesn't even with the Rogue Squadron. I, OK, what's going on there? I want to know. But I'm 
probably going to enjoy whatever they put out because I engage with it differently. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it is great for us to come at it from a, a perspective of a opinion as well. Like, the, you know, this this uh, article is it's an opinion piece and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think is every possibility that the sources are correct. Right. Yeah. Uh, but just like with us, we're sharing our opinions. And Ken, you are so right. You and I uh, have opinions that are colored by the fact that creatively, no matter how bonkers any of the background or production was for any of the films, released by Disney era Lucasfilm creatively every single film works for me <laughs> like yeah. I, I I definitely have my like oh my little nitpicks and all that uh yeah. but they they work for me and I think one of the reasons that that the films really work for us is that they connect uh, in in deep emotional ways you've you connected the created the great uh, phrase uh, emotional canon right mm. But if you break down thematic ideas in original trilogy, prequel trilogy, they're, they're there in sequel trilogy. If you ask yourself, who is Han Solo? To us, the solo film resonates with that. If you ask, what, what is the really, what is the idea of hope? Why are we always throwing that word around in Star Wars? Rogue One answers that. So uh, for us, I think we do come at it from the opinion of whatever went on behind the scenes, which uh, sometimes was obviously not great. Yeah. <laughs> the films work for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and 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 like I I I've said before, and I remember you've said this on Jedi Jedi Council back in the day. I'm a New York Yankee fan. In the 1970s, they won two back-to-back World Series titles and were literally choking each other out in the dugout. Like a lot of players didn't get along with the Bronx Zoo, and I didn't. You know, I'm like, I don't care. The end result is they did what they were supposed to do. They won championships. But if you're a team that historically has those problems and has a you know, bad culture in the clubhouse, and you don't win, yeah, you're going to be a fan going get something right in there. So I understand we're looking at it two different ways. But I, 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 I just you know this is these stories pop up this week and immediately. I think I was even I think I texted or emailed you like, oh, yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm just <laughs> bracing because so many. I just, I just think there's, uh, I, I'm trying to, <laughs> try not to use strong words, but I want to say like, there's just so lazy reviewing and, and criticism of, of, of the Star Wars films by you're not engaging with what's there in the movie. So therefore this person clearly doesn't know what she's doing. And that's where I just, I run up against it where I think all these examples from, from Trank, you know, back in 20, I was, I was, I was there that day at that panel in Anaheim when he was quote unquote sick. Like that, that's how long ago it was seven, but some of the track stuff, the rogue one reshoots where, you know, we, we think it ends, we like where it ends up. We just did that star Wars ranked on the episodes, Lord Miller. Everything. I still come down on the side that Kathy Kennedy, uh, uh, excuse me, Kathleen, I don't know her personally. I don't want to call her that Kathleen. <laughs> we show, 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 show respect. Kathleen Kennedy at the Lucasfilm team have a job to protect, believe it or not, people, to protect George's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of things out here, uh, I, you know, some of them I don't think are George's Star Wars. That hope, fear versus fear and all those things we talk about every week here and here. And that, so that's why I think, fine, she's a dark knight to me. <laughs> you know, she's going to take all the slings and arrows. You can hate her all her want. She's still going to do her job. She's still going to do her job and protect George's Star Wars. That's my, very much my opinion. But yeah. Yes, absolutely. Total opinion. I feel like that's what Kathleen Kennedy and the entire creative team at Lucasfilm is doing is saying, please, please, uh, directors, writers, share your pitches, come in, bring, bring passion, bring your perspective. But then within that, 
there's this delicate balance that Filoni has talked about so elegantly between mm-hmm. Star Wars needing the new, needing to have that fun, wild spirit of like, why not? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> can there be this kind of music in Star Wars? Sure, try it. But then there are these kind of core things that I do think get down to this is Star Wars can have tons of darkness, but it is ultimately about hope yeah. and family and connection and trying to be the best person you can and make the best choices you can and uh, all of Mm. these you know great core ideas that i think they work really hard uh to preserve and that is Mm. totally my opinion and i think i think obviously that works with a lot of people uh you know people cite that there were some stumbles with uh with Force Awakens or with The Rise of Skywalker. But in the big picture, it seems like J.J. Abrams has worked just fine with the Lucasfilm creative process, ultimately, yeah. right? Ultimately. Ryan Johnson certainly did. The Last Jedi, uh, lots of people don't like it, but that is the one film where there is no drama at all <laughs> Yeah, behind the scenes, right? Uh, I know Ron Howard and Henry Gilroy both came into the process late, but they seem to be able to navigate Lucasfilm creative process just fine. Mm. You know, Gilroy jumping into Andor. Uh, John Favreau, because this always gets talked about as just the movies, but Kathleen Kennedy produced The Mandalorian too, right? Yeah. In with with a great, amazing balance of let's try and explore new things, let's do different things, uh, and but let's say true to the core of Star Wars. You watch those specials with Favreau, and to me, that's what's needed. It's so clear that he's like, I got all these ideas. I really want to do X. And then and then the team at Lucasfilm goes, we can do X, but while we're doing X, we have to be mindful of Y. And he's like, cool, great. Yeah. I, 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 you, you can just like watch it and like hear that discussion of like, I wanted to do this. And then Dave explained to me, but the prequels, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because <laughs> then I did the yeah. thing I wanted to, but slightly different. <laughs> and actually this new different idea emerged because of it. Fun. Yeah, I would love to get a little more uh, you know, hear a little bit more on the, the putting together the the TV side, right? Because it's so smooth, you don't hear, uh, and people just uh, have a tendency to trust uh, the man in the cowboy hat for, for good reason. I get, but we know it's not just him. We know Favre is very much in charge. I'd love to study what's working on that side uh, with Kathy, Kathleen Kennedy, all the way down versus the film side, where you're getting these very strong-willed. Uh, and not not that anyone on the TV side's not strong-willed. Yeah, I guarantee you Favreau is. He knows what he wants on his pizza. Uh, I, I think on the other side, Lord Miller at the top of their game. Trevorrow, uh, for whatever that was on top of the game. Benny Weiss, you know I love my Game of Thrones, but they're, they're at the, coming into it. That deal was signed three, four years before the end of the show. But then things start happening along the way, and hey, guess what I'd like to do? I'd like to do this thing called Necessary Rage. Mm-mm. And 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 that's where it, I'd love to analyze that the the details. We're never going to get them of why that stuff doesn't work. And again, it's naturally going to fall on her shoulders. But I think, I think, I think they're doing the Lord's work over there, not Lord Miller's work. Lord's work. <laughs> A controversial and great joke you just made. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. It's easy. It's easy to go look. They produced that animated movie I really love, and this around the same time they got fired from Lucasfilm. It does not mean it was working over there. You you just don't know. And we don't know all the details, but you just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, I will. I will. You know, unless there is a great in-depth uh, documentary someday with multiple perspectives, we'll never know exactly what happened there. I love mm-hmm. Into the Spider-Verse and it's a great film, amazing film. Uh, it, but I also, if it is true that Lord and Miller were making 
a, a more of a comic take, I personally wouldn't have wanted that. I think you said something really important. Um, and I think we're both on the same page, correct me if I'm wrong, that, that while we are celebrating the films in Kathleen Kennedy, uh, we also want to admit that the drama behind the films is undeniable, right? Undeniable. <laughs> it is okay for two things to be true, that you and I believe that Kathleen Kennedy has done a good job in the films that just exist are great. Yeah. Also undeniable that there's been a huge amount of shakeup behind the scenes mm-hmm. and it is not great for Star Wars ultimately. Oh yeah. And I hate, I hate these kind of stories. I, I, you know, I want rug, I want rogue squadron to come out and win an Oscar. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> you know, and, and when the, even that started popping around and, and, and it's going to add fuel to the fire, but there is, there is, there is some stuff going on there. I totally get it. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, wait till y'all hear the stories that that are actually out there you know like like yes it could be a bit of a war zone but that's kind of what uh that high stress high big money creative uh, projects that's kind of what happens there unless you know you quietly make last jedi no problems at all until the film comes out you know and you know even force awakens uh michael arndt in the early days that 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 changed and you know the, the other other than that it was you know harrison ford's you know ankle breaks or something other than that you don't hear a lot of that um, and then, and then it just becomes fuel for the fire. The, oh, Rogue One, the Rogue One reshoots are such a punchline for a reason, because it's like, you just, you just keep pointing to this thing. And then all these stories keep pointing to these things that, uh, at the end of the day did not distract from the end result of the movie for, uh, a lot of people, a lot more than online cares to admit, but it doesn't mean it hit for everybody. This I get. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that's why at the end of the day, you, that's why it's a story either. You're happy with the results and you don't care if they're fighting in the dugout or you want some championships in your concern. I get yeah. it. And that's the end of the day that what's going to be. Yeah. And I mean, I think that from the perspective of history, right, uh, it, right now, there is a 10 year old watching the sequel trilogy on their iPad and they have no idea yeah. <laughs> of the drama. And that is only going to continue as, as time goes on. But I get that in the moment now, it is really challenging. You know, when, when Star Wars is going to come back to the big screen, right? You, mm-hmm. you don't want this stumble with uh, with Rogue Squadron, what, whatever's going on here. Yeah. I, I do want to really make sure that I highlight, I think you said a really important thing about mm-hmm. maybe a part of the, um, the, the uh, difficult process on the film side is the um, the directors who are already uh, really have some weight behind them having had huge genre successes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, because Lucasfilm isn't alone in this. This has happened uh, with MCU, just not as with as much frequency. Yes. But what appears yes. to be the exact same thing, right? I mean, Edgar Wright is Edgar Wright's uh, uh, personally on every interview I've ever seen him. He seems like an absolutely awesome guy. I yeah. love his films. And he's just like real straightforward about like, yeah, no, they got a process at, at Marvel uh, mm-hmm. that really intensified since I started developing Ant-Man and they really, they, they want it to fit in the way that they do things. And uh, it wasn't for me. So I left. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, relatively recently in the grand scheme of things, uh, Scott Derrickson left Dr. Strange too. And that was uh, mm-hmm. from everything I understand, creative differences. So yeah. it has happened with Marvel. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I was thinking about and, and just looked at Ken is Marvel has given a lot of directors who have had, already had some success as directors, maybe just a couple mm-hmm. films or uh, maybe had a couple films like 10 years ago, but haven't made a film in a while. Mm-hmm. They've given a lot of directors their first shot at a big budget genre IP story. Right. The Russo brothers, you know, mm-hmm. they went from 
some episodes of Community and some romantic comedies in the mid 2000s to (laughs) the largest films ever made. Um, James Gunn, extremely experienced filmmaker, but smaller, quirkier, like horror. Yeah. Big, big boost up into the genre, big budget world. Uh, similar thing with John Watts, uh, the mm-hmm. directors of uh, Captain Marvel, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. A lot of these people are, it, they're experienced, but it's this step up into the big genre IP world. Yep. Whereas it seems like the Lucasfilm uh, tactic was, have you already had a big genre IP hit or even made a big genre movie? Well, then come on over, right? I mean- yeah. Lord and Miller, uh, Trevorrow mm-hmm. with uh, Jurassic World, uh, Benioff and Weiss with that little uh, Game of Thrones indie, right? <laughs> Patty Jenkins coming off the just phenomenal success of Wonder Woman. Yeah. And I wonder if that is a little bit of the disconnect of yeah, some of these creators who are at the top of their game have already proved themselves in big budget genre IP coming in and going, I don't, I, I don't want to you know, be told where the edges of the sandbox are. Yeah, I mean, I want to do things my way. Whereas if you're like, uh, you're you're an established, creative, talented director, but this is the first time you're being invited into the sandbox. Maybe you're a little bit more like, cool, no problem. I'm just happy to be in the sandbox. Yeah, I look, I think it's true. I, look, P- Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman, Michelle McLaren was supposed to direct that. Game of Thrones director, like she was <laughs> left that project. Creative differences. They bring in Patty Jenkins, uh, and I don't know if uh, you all have heard, but uh, any other kind of directors with some uh, resumes, when they're asked about superhero movies, not fans, <laughs> <laughs> and they're asked constantly, <laughs> constantly. They never stop getting asked. Yeah. So uh, uh, Martin Scorsese, uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, Captain America, not going to happen because he doesn't want to <laughs> take, uh, uh, and, and again, and and, is, and and shouldn't have to take any notes that he doesn't want to take because. He's, he's done his thing. I get it. And, and I don't fault any of them, but um, I, I and, and it's not just a case of, uh, hey, let's take a, an up and comer and, and uh, give them the opportunity of a life, lifetime. And then that, they have to say, yes, it's not just that simple, but it is if I you, you can't tell me Feige doesn't have a strong personality, knows what he wants to put in his films. You can't tell me that. No. And I think more of this stuff is going to going to emerge of saying, and, I, and I, 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 yeah, I don't really want to I really don't want to paint it as. You know, uh, uh, you, if you get them young, you can break them. <laughs> I think it's like, yeah, I don't think you were, but no. I think it's just total honesty of like, hey, would you like to come in and play? These are the rules. <laughs> yeah. uh, because it's a different kind of storytelling uh, because yeah. it's a large established uh, universe, right? And I think finding the directors who are like, I totally get that and I'm great with that. I can find a way to make it personal to me and I can still really say that I understand my story impacts other stories. And, you know, what I'm what I'm saying thematically does need to match some some core important philosophy. Like I, if you can say say to people, to directors in particular, this is what's being offered. You know, a, a collaboration is being offered. Yeah. and get people on board in that perspective, then I think that's what really needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I know. Yeah. And, and it's, um, here's the thing about star Wars and not saying MCU is its own beast. And, and, and you're, you're pulling things from 75 years of comics, 75 years or more. Um, and the themes are, are pretty easy to not easy, but uh, not, let, me, let me rephrase that. The, the theme, the themes are there, but star Wars, the last five years, it's really, for me, my eyes have been open on people I know, people I love, people I respect who just like they they watch Return of the Jedi and they got something entirely different out of it, which is fine. 
but it, they got it's, what they got out of it would not make a good Star Wars story if they got the opportunity. Just quite frankly, just discussions we've had a lot in the last few years. I'm not saying we're right, they're wrong. Again, it's what you take it. You but but you know, um, Luke threw down his lightsaber. Big theme, big big thing. George was telling you. And to come back in 2017 and go, why didn't he take that lightsaber just chopping people in half? That's fine to engage with on that level. But um, I think, you know, taking that per- that, that type of uh, interpretation of it and trying to make a story with it is part of the problem too. Maybe just me. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I think it is definitely worth thinking about of like, I would absolutely love to see a Star Wars horror film. Um, I would love it to be as scary as it can be for PG-13. I would like it to go into the darkest recesses of people's minds. I don't want a Star Wars horror film that is uh, about nihilism. I don't want it to end with, and nobody escaped, or they escaped, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're they're going to die tomorrow. Like, it, it is about the worldview, right? It is about saying, you know, Star Wars does a ton of dark things, almost hilariously dark for the contrast mm-hmm. of, of, of what it is, right? Yeah. Um, to, to go from Anakin saying, yippee, and then two films later, he is igniting his blade in front of a child who looks, as you've <laughs> pointed out, a great deal like that young. Like, there's yeah. darkness in Star Wars. It's not like Star Wars is afraid to go hard. Mm. It's where does it end up? Yeah. It always ends on a beat of hope. And I think, I do wonder if sometimes just that kind of basic tonal this is Star Wars is this odd beast that's part adventure serial that some people find corny, mm-hmm. part like a deep mythic, uh, uh, you know, storytelling about who we want to be and who we should be. Uh, it's got a political angle that's absolutely baked into the DNA, but <laughs> that, that gets problematic for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, it's hopeful, it's hopeful, it's hopeful. Like, I can see how that sometimes it would be hard to for every creator to find their vision and fit within all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there you go. Kathy, uh, Kathleen Kennedy uh, goes to the office every day with all that on her. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then imagine just this, this will be my last thing of like, yeah. I, I am not, again, I fully acknowledge that there's been a lot of behind the scenes damaging, uh, a lot of behind the scenes drama and it is not great for star Wars. But at the end of the day, can you imagine having made this much money <laughs> as Kathleen Kennedy has on these films and and also endured the, the level of criticism? <laughs> it's a, you know, I'm, I, I'm surprised I would not extend my contract. So she's stronger than me by far. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I know that there's been been drama and I am not downplaying that. But also at the same time, like when you see those Twitter exchanges, they're like, yeah, Rise of Skywalker bombed. And then somebody like, it made a billion dollars. And then another person replies, barely. <laughs> yeah. Ken, wouldn't you feel like a fool if you made a billion dollars, but it was just barely? Just barely. Yes, absolutely. If all my crypto finally hit, I'd be a barely a billionaire. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, so there you go. The, you know, sorry if I'm ranting it all to anyone out there. Yeah, we can, we'll get tweets and everything, but it's like, it's just, it's all complicated. And again, at the end of the day, what's on screen? What's there for you? How do you engage with it? What do you take from it? That's kind of all that matters. Both ways, both sides of it, both sides. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, I think we have fun talking about the behind the scenes because it is a part of it. Uh, and uh, we have opinions that and we're being yeah. very honest, our opinions. But I think that is my biggest opinion, Ken, is mm-hmm. at the end of the day, 
you know, nobody uh, sits down to watch Casablanca for the very first time and go, let me read the Wikipedia page first and find out there were how many writers? This movie can't be good. They just watched Casablanca. Let me find out. They didn't know the end of the script when they started shooting. What are you talking about? <laughs> this movie's horrible. Yeah. 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 That's just ultimately not how films live in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, final note. This thing came out today. We're going to discuss it more when it actually, uh, the episode, or excuse me, the issue is actually released. Empire Magazine is going to do a uh, Book of Boba Fett um, uh, magazine uh, kind of cover story and all that kind of stuff, behind the scenes look. And, um, also uh, touching on a little bit of Kenobi stuff. And Kathleen Kennedy's got a quote that's kind of going around in there. A couple quotes, uh, things about uh, the re- emotional reunion of uh, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen on the set of Kenobi. Uh, and things about uh, maybe what they might be wearing. We're going to talk about that when it's time. But there was this one thing about, you know, that she says, Kathleen Kennedy, they're, they're not even done with the sequel trilogy characters that people love so much. So that's going to be a part of the news cycle there. Uh, you know, uh, uh, these these failed horrible barely billion dollar movies the characters <laughs> yeah i'm very excited to discuss that in uh, in its entirety when we see if there's anything more to the quote yeah absolutely let's get some context all right all right i swear that's it uh that's the news i mean there's some other things out there some video game news dark horse uh dark horse gets the comic uh, rights again uh, marvel and dark horse going forward idw is going to be phased out all those kind of things we understand there's a lot going on these are the stories we chose to take a deeper dive into right now uh your questions are all coming up here but before we do that joseph uh what is our four center recommends an audiobook we think everyone out there should try on us uh, yeah, we're recommending Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to dive into the High Republic and want to see what it's all about, that is a great place to start since it's the first book. And we think a great one, right, Ken? It is. And download that today or any book you want to try by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book. All right. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. A long first segment because we knew we were going to have a lot of things to get to. But on the other side of this, your questions here on Force Center. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Force Center, episode 377, the Superstar Destroyer of our fleet. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, Joseph, as always, we got some wonderful questions from our listeners. What do we got? Yeah, we got two questions from Twitter and two questions from our patrons on Patreon. As always, we go first to Twitter. Uh, we have a question from some Moof Milker. That's their actual handle, uh, not anything disparaging, I'm saying. Hello, some Moof Milker. Uh, here is the thought slash question. I'm beyond thrilled for Kenobi. Been thinking about Vader's role and wondering if you think they should bring back James Earl Jones to voice him. I know it's blasphemy, but for me, his voice in Rogue One was noticeably different. So uh, let's dive into that, Ken. Uh, what do you think? Um, James Earl Jones could not possibly be more famous as uh, the voice of Darth Vader and for a long time there, the bumper on CNN, as well as many, many other acting credits. Amazing titan of the industry, titan of Star Wars. Uh, but he is also 90 years old. So where do you go with this kind of difficult question? I think it might be time. And look, if there was a way you could bring him in and combine him with another uh, voice, and there's been some wonderful um, Vader voices out there. Um, you can uh, look up the names. Uh, uh, um, I, I, but I, I just, I look at um, the, the now the late uh, Peter Mayhew and that tra transition that happened around the time of, um, you know, uh, Last Jedi. Uh, um it just it just it's part of the journey of Star Wars and, and part of what we have to deal with is is we're still here and more stories are coming uh, and he's still going. And, and, you know, I'd love to see some interviews with James Earl Jones saying, oh, they, they brought me back. I, he's such a, a joy and a delight and a titan in, indeed. But I personally, I think it's a great question. I've seen this come up a, a little bit recently as we race towards uh, the, this return in Kenobi. Uh, I do think uh, it's time the voice was a little different, not distracting enough for me. I still loved it, but that that was my James Earl Jones nostalgia pop was Rogue One. I'm ready to maybe explore going forward. Yeah, um, I, I think for me, I totally agree with you that it is. It's really sad. And my knee jerk reaction is like, of course, James Earl Jones should right. be Vader yeah. as long as he possibly can. Uh, but, you know, to quote Yoda, you know, that is the way of the things that is the way of the force. This has been a journey we've been on of 
you know, real life reflecting that Star Wars story of generations and the the old giving way to the new, which is, you know, just the nature of of life, um, as well as a big thematic point of Star Wars. But we've seen that from everything from Lucas deciding yeah. <laughs> to say it's time for another generation of storytellers. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to take a step even farther back um, to the the great sadness of Peter Mayhew, uh, Ben Burt alive and kicking, uh, yeah. playing horns <laughs> on documentaries <laughs> for Disney plus. But for whatever reason, he has stepped back in, in Matthew Wood is the new Ben Burt, right? Yeah. Um, they're kind of endless examples of the, the inevitable generational change. And as much as I would love to hear James Earl Jones in, uh, Kenobi, I would also be okay with it if there was an acknowledgement that uh, the generation, the, the time had come, you know, yeah. it's going to be sad whenever it is the, a major, you know, on-screen Vader thing that is not James Earl Jones, right? Um, yeah. But uh, I had looked this up as well, because I was like, I think this is the right name. Uh, Scott Lawrence has been Vader uh, in video games since 1995. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and he, and I thought he was so great in Fallen Order. Um, yeah, in Jedi Fallen Order, so there is a part of me that's just like ah, I, I just uh, it it is it is so sad. I think this is a sad but valid question. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mostly just because I wish actual reality was different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, why don't we all just live forever and then we could uh, you know get yeah. uh, do too much space here? We 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 move to the old folks moon. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, but yeah. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, and Scott Lawrence, yeah, right, great name to call it. Uh, been just wonderful many, many times over as Vader. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other thoughts on on James Earl Jones in Kenobi? No, other than he's a big part of our lives, isn't he? And uh, this will be hard regardless. Uh, yeah. Uh, even if he is, if he does do the voice and it doesn't sound the same, that that's another conversation to have, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we shall see. Uh, moving on to another question from Gareth Vader. Uh, Gareth says, I just read Star Wars from a certain point of view. Uh, I believe, yeah, so Star Wars. So this is the A New Hope one uh, that Gareth is talking about. And it says the story there is, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, the story <laughs> There is Another features a piece of pottery that was given to Yoda by Obi-Wan. Mm. It felt to me that this was given post-Revenge of the Sith. Uh, do you think Kenobi visited Dagobah or Yoda when in exile? This is from A New Hope, right? This is yes, the one where is, yeah. Yoda is reflecting on uh, how he'd like to train Leia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, apologies for the distraction. Let me get back to the question, Ken. Do you think Kenobi visited Dagobah or Yoda when in exile? Do you think he made a special trip to Dagobah <laughs> to give Yoda some pottery? It's well, you want to know what's even funnier? I, I first looked at the this outline on my phone, and I I thought it said poetry, <laughs> and I was like, I don't remember Kenobi giving him like a haiku, did he? I didn't, and then I didn't get a chance to go back to the story. But yes, pottery, uh, which uh, factors into the story, and there's also I think the robe from Qui Gon is. Yep, it's yeah. his blanky. Blanky, it did, it is. Uh, and, and, by, and by the way, that's just I love that story, and like I think you did you mm-hmm. as well, and we love it here. So, uh, anyways, Gareth Vader, this is great. Um, I, I, I can see, I, I. I Yoda and Yoda even potentially reappearing in some way with Kenobi in the series is is, is a is a question that I, I I think we all should have been discussing a little bit more. I'm definitely not predicting that it's going to happen. I think I've always I grew up thinking they just didn't contact each other, but I just can't imagine that. It's hard for me now to accept that. 
that there was not some kind of, hey, how you doing? A Christmas po- Life Day postcard? <laughs> you know, I sent you this pottery thinking of you. Um, or that there was some kind of reconnect uh, over maybe an issue. Maybe there's something going on. And um, maybe Bale picks both of them up for a joyride. I don't know. I'm making jokes, but I, I could see there'd be some kind of serious uh, reason for them to connect again. Yeah, I mean, I think they, to me, I've always taken the end of Revenge of the Sith of like, you know, uh, teach you how to commune with Qui-Gon, I will, Mm -hmm. that they are in communication over the old uh, force. (laughs) Not that they, I mean, I don't, I'm not here saying Kenobi and Yoda are a dyad and they can just (laughs) pass pottery back and forth through the force or poetry. Um, (laughs) Do not rage against the Dianelite, I guess uh, Kenobi would write for Yoda. Uh, Yeah, but, but that idea that with deep, deep um, meditation that yeah. they can, you know, communicate. And I think that's kind of implied in some of these stories as well. Um, and then I think certainly once uh, Obi-Wan has become one with the Force, I think there's mm-hmm. certainly yeah. uh, some, oh, some, some, some chit-chats happening there. <laughs> yeah. um, but in terms of this idea that could Kenobi have visited Dagobah, that's really exciting and interesting to me. Um, mm-hmm. to, in going to the through the cave as a as a trail the tree cave mm. kenobi in that tree cave mind-blowing great and i am really open to that you know because i think mm. i did grow up to with the idea of yeah no uh kenobi uh delivers luke and then he's just got a lot of time to pace <laughs> yeah yeah um but I, I do like that the kenobi television show and i know that some people are still uh mm. not sure about this ripping that open a little bit and saying, no, it's not like he was, you know, gone every weekend, but Mm -hmm. there was some restlessness there, you know? Um, Especially the idea that maybe not even a part of this show, uh, Mm -hmm. that he at some point did visit Yoda on Dagobah um, as a part of his training, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, and going through that cave, it's, is, is a trial is, is so cool. So I kind of love the idea that Gareth uh, Vader is pitching. I don't think we'll see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, yeah. some, just, there's something about it that feels it may be a quick flashback. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but it just, it that feels a little, I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe overstuffed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overstuffed, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. It almost, uh, I, I think it hasn't been part of the conversation because I think we might, be, might, might feel we're getting enough with... Um, Vader and, uh, and and what's going on there, uh, but I think it's interesting because yeah, yeah, a lot of people aren't um, aren't excited or thrilled or don't see the potential and the possibilities around uh, Kenobi Vader one more time, right? This rematch. A lot of people have some strong opinions about that on, uh, online. It's shocker, um, and I understand. I really do because again, I think we are part of that generation that just grew up thinking they didn't meet till New Hope. Uh, I'm talking about Vader and Kenobi. Yeah, um, but then I think there's a why not explore and consider. I'd like I'd like those. Star Wars fans or, or potential viewers of Kenobi, just, hey, here, consider some options, especially thematically, that we kind of champion here at Force Center for Vader and, and, and Kenobi having one, one rematch here before New Hope. Uh, or maybe maybe they fight three times in the series. I don't know. But on the flip side, I'm almost saying that to myself about Yoda and Kenobi because I, I, I do kind of have a walls go up and go, no, 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 they didn't meet. They didn't meet. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't meet at all. <laughs> um, but why, why wouldn't I be open to the possibilities uh, of what that could mean for those two characters, especially Kenobi during that part of his life? Yeah. And I think that's been the tradition of Star Wars. I mean, going to, you know, Lucas having this image in his mind of uh, Padme's uh, 
you know, giving birth and, and passing away being at the the same moment that Vader is, you know, Anakin is turned into Vader, right? Yeah. And he didn't stop himself and go like, but it did make it sound like she died several years after Leia was, when well, and Leia was like one or two. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, there, there's always been uh, some, some room for interpretation. Yeah. Uh, in, yeah. in Star Wars. And I know some people don't like that, but other people are like, let's go back to George Lucas's Star Wars. <laughs> that is George Lucas' Star Wars. Um, yeah, this is such a great, great question. And even mm-hmm. if this was not in the uh, Kenobi show, uh, I would be happy to see it in, you know, a book or a short story. Yeah. Or, you know, and I think I think these, uh, from a certain point of view, stories have are canon light, right? They're canon adjacent. Yeah. They're, that's yeah. the way it is until there's a reason to question, right? Yeah, it's fine. Um, so... Uh, I think it's a great canon question. Like, well, how, when did he get the pottery? <laughs> well, it, and I it, go, go ahead. No, I said, there you go. That's the point where it, it's pottery now until someone goes, but hold on. What if it's poetry? <laughs> what if it's poetry? It, it changes, right? Yeah. So either if, if I love this sentence, if the pottery is canon, <laughs> <laughs> then either Kenobi visited or I like the other option that, you know, Bale rescues Yoda and Yoda's like, failed, I have. Into exile, I must go. First, let's swing by the Jedi Temple one more time to pick up a few things. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> like that. Which is also an exciting Disney Plus show. Uh, Yoda raids his own closet before going into <laughs> exile. All right, we're going to move on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. First one comes from uh, Douglas, du- Douglas Dubois. Douglas says, uh, since we are in the dark times of Star Wars gaming with only the Lego saga in sight, I've had a lot of time to think about and chat with friends about what our dream Star Wars games would be. A popular choice is a Red Dead Redemption 2 style game where you can roam the galaxy making a living and making your own choices to follow the light or take the seductive path to fast riches. Thread in a storyline that gives you uh, more to potentially care about than yourself and I'm sold. What would be an instant buy for you and likely to take up too many of your waking hours? Well, first Where do you of all, go with this, Ken? Yeah, it's going to compete against Red Dead Redemption 2, which I'm still playing because I'm in the online mode. In fact, uh, after we record Force Center, I always uh, sit down and let myself catch my breath for a half hour, usually playing games. So I've got to go raid a abandoned uh, a f- military fort to clear out some outlaws, Joseph. <laughs> I have a big thing planned today. Um, after you get done podcasting, you just got to go in the mountains and fight a bear, huh? Yeah. And so I, I go make make a snack and I sit down and then uh, before I even put the episodes together, I, I play for a little bit. Um, so yeah, Douglas, you speak in my language here and I know a lot of people have been calling for this, you know, a big kind of open world kind of Star Wars thing. But I think, Beyond that, there's a great appeal to that. I think it's difficult to do in Star Wars. you got a galaxy. You're not just on this, uh, you know, uh, Old West setting or whatever Red Dead it might be or any other game. Uh, and um, uh, Mass Effect does a great job of, hey, you got planets to travel. And, and I think so I think it can be done. Let's just assume it can be done. But I think what Douglas is talking about here, Joseph, is what would really make it appeal, appealing is these choices. The honor system, which is present in so many games has a lot more power in star wars it's a lot more what it's about right uh uh, so give me that um and i don't necessarily think it i'd want it to be a jedi or even a bounty hunter give me a han solo type meaning someone who's like wouldn't it be cool if i robbed that uh coaxium train or wouldn't it be cool if i (laughs) helped somebody that's the choice i think it'd be fun to play around with yeah, no, I like that. Uh, that'd be great. Yeah, just a just a scoundrel, huh? 
yeah. <laughs> or a potential scoundrel just potential. trying to make your way in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a Star Wars trope, but I, I think, uh, I think that just going around, um, making your way up, making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Um, that's <laughs> my point. Yeah, I think that's absolutely great. You know, I haven't played a ton of uh, Knights of the Old Republic. I'm I'm working through it on my old iPad there, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the 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 choice to uh, you know do do the work of the light side or give in to the dark is that's really fun in video games. It's a proud tradition in in Star mm-hmm. Wars games. So I would love to see more games uh, like that. Um, yeah. I think for me, um, I, I I'm excited for almost any Star Wars game, but my honest just knee jerk reaction whether it's not particularly realistic, <laughs> mm. but I would love to just be Dinjar and pre the child. And I would love to just be taking bounties and interacting Ooh. with weirdos. And, yeah. um, you know, there is this push, uh, I think in star Wars video games to, you know, introduce Canon stories, introduce Canon characters. And it's, you know, that has been really rewarding. Um, but there's a part of me uh, that, and that's great in fallen order, but there's a part of me that also is like, I would also just be happy to play a video game as Mando and, you know, do some missions and I don't care whether they're canon, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, cause there's a part of me is like, Oh, you could tell a canon story and it could be like, you know, how did he uh, hook up with the, the armor? Right. When, when yeah. did, you know, when did he find that, uh, that group or was he always with them? Or is this a story of how he gets armor for one of the kids there? Like, you know, yeah. Um, I kind of think that those Mandalorian stories aren't happening because Favreau wants a elbow room and doesn't, yeah want that's just total conjecture i got nothing for that other than my own imagination yeah um but i would still just there's something to that's to me it it is a thing that some people critique but i find it so appealing in the mandalorian television show where he just shows up he's like well i want a fruit like okay yeah (laughs) but first you have to get 50 vegetables like all right i'll get 50 vegetables so i can get one fruit it's such video game uh, storytelling and it just makes me want to hit the buttons and do it myself <laughs> it'd be fun and just the, the the mere act of going to a space cantina to get a drink is uh, problematic i just got a big fist fight in the valentin bar in red dead i just wanted a whiskey and I bumped someone <laughs> next thing i know it's a shootout with eight people so it happens <laughs> yeah and then in the other uh utter fantasy that i just I, I don't think it is the right time for uh this in star wars but I would love uh, not. I don't even need to roam around a big world. I, I'd be happy with a single player, pretty mm-hmm. linear, maybe twelve missions. You do this, then that that mission ends. Then you play this. I know I'm I'm yelling at video game clouds here. <laughs> um, I would love just a, a a pretty linear single player story uh, with uh, Luke Skywalker and young Ben Solo on a mission, and it's you know you, you get to play them both and trades back and forth. I like that. It's that is not a prediction or it doesn't match, I think, the modern market, but that's my honest answer for what would I like to sit down and play? That's great. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Excellent. Any other video game thoughts or should we wrap up so you can uh, fight a bear? Yeah. Well, yeah, I run from bears. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the danger, the danger is I, there's a city called Valentin and a lot of people know it and they have almonds on the, 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 the bar top there. I went to get to some almonds and I actually push this guy and you know fight started it's the danger i just want to eat just want to eat i could never master the uh fist fight mechanics in the first red dead redemption and yeah. i i so enjoyed playing that and I, you know i can't even remember what metal or ding i was trying to get whatever uh, you know just serotonin yeah. boost or whatever the hell it is um but i i just i got 
my ass handed to me in so many bars because I just would walk up to people like, I'm trying to get a medal. Uh, yeah. Can we fight? <laughs> Didn't go well. There you go. Anyway, on to our final question. This comes to us from Commander Cloud. Uh, Commander says, hey there, fellas. If you could share one Earth experience with any Star Wars character, what would it be and with who? Take Ray to a water park? Show Maul some yoga moves? Give Bail Organa a genuine dirty water hot dog? On the flip side of this cultural exchange, what would you bring back from Star Wars to give to humanity on Earth? Thanks again. A thank you, Commander, for the really fun question. Uh, Ken, what would you do in our real world with a Star Wars character? Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to look at it there, right? Um, there could be the, the silly things. Uh, you know, some of them are um, serious. I might want to introduce Padme to some nice, uh, calm gentlemen. <laughs> hang out i don't know um there's that um i yeah 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 uh i definitely is it i don't know is it we were we were so obsessed with kenobi drinking but I, I would like to take him to the smokehouse uh we're far too in sync my yeah. very first answer is uh, go to the muso and frank bar with uh, obi-wan mm. kenobi well you could take it to muso's and i'll go i'll take him to smokehouse we'll both be there um it'll be good <laughs> Good. Yeah, I mean, I think I go to that one just because I love this peek into Obi-Wan's character that I think he spends times in diners and bars just yeah, yeah. chatting chatting to locals. And he, he would rather be doing that than mm-hmm. uh, be flying, you know, a ship and fighting wars. Uh, so if I could give Obi-Wan Kenobi a great martini at either Musso and Frank or Smokehouse and yeah. hear his thoughts, uh, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd like to, you know, if I'm doing this, uh, given earth experience, I want to, some of the less fortunate characters, I, I'd like to maybe take Kitster to, to Disneyland. Yeah, <laughs> young Kitster, not, not, not uh, current day Kitster, but you know, you, you deserve some joy in your life, man. Yeah. You know, very wizard, very wizard. And then he would get the bat too. And he's like, this is too close to home. Yep. <laughs> this isn't what a shack really tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Um, I I would my other two answers besides Obi Wan. Y- you are very kind to think of who is downtrodden <laughs> needs to be lifted up. Uh, but I think I mentioned last week uh, I went to a Target and uh, there was a Grogu in almost every section. You know, mm. from forks to towels. They just uh, the holiday seasons are coming in, and Grogu's still <laughs> selling things. Yeah, I just got the picture of walking through Target carrying a basket with Grogu in it and watching Grogu see himself again and again and again <laughs> <laughs> and wondering how he'd react to the cock of his head. And what is that? Why am I on a sock? You know, do yeah. he try to eat the socks with himself on them? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, you, I, I was also going to say, um, I was also going to say maybe uh, you take Grogu to like the Ikea uh, daycare center they have in the bottom <laughs> floor there and just like chaos ensue. Oh, he would be, you know, an Ikea family member sucking down meatballs real quick. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> uh, do you have any more? Uh, no, not in terms of that. There's a lot of different, you know, take Jar Jar out to a nice meal too, a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I could uh, take him down to the the beach and get him some fish tacos. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I think, um, my final one, and we've both talked about this before, uh, it wouldn't be an open mic, but like a stand-up show that, uh, that maybe some friends are running. Uh, I would take Leia Organa to a stand-up show and, and see if I can uh, get her a spot. Ooh, that'd be great. She'd do well. Oh yeah. 
she would do so well. Yeah. So, okay, the other part of Commander Cloud's question is, what would we take from Star Wars back to humanity on Earth? I'm so curious if we have the same answer on this one. What did you get? Uh, I mean, outside of outside of just technology, right? A lightsaber and all that kind of stuff. Um, I would like to take, um, I actually, it's not quite a cultural exchange, but I would take like Luke's land speeder because I think I could get around faster. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, Absolutely. You know, my Mustang that I have right now, my 20-year-old beat-up Mustang that was a replacement for the car I lost, does have a top that comes down, and I got to do it once before it broke. So I'd like to maybe experience that again, put 3PO on the back seat like he was for – he drives it for a little bit, and then he sits on the back seat like he's at a parade, like a rose parade. <laughs> That'd be fun getting around L.A. like that. Oh, yeah. I think you'd get a lot of uh, a lot of great looks, a lot of great honks, positive yes. honks. Positive honks. Positive honks. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think this is because I had a headache this morning before we recorded, Ken, but Bakta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bakta and lots of it. I, mm-hmm. I want to bathe in healing goo, and I want other people to be able to do that, too. Uh, that Yeah, that's, uh, you know, who knows? We might get there soon enough. Some of those liquid Band-Aids almost seem like Bakta, so uh, that'd be good. <laughs> Yeah, great question, uh, Commander Cloud. Uh, great question to everyone, Douglas, Gareth, and some Moof Milker. Thank you all very much for the great uh, Star Wars uh, thought starters. Those are our questions, Ken. Love it. Yeah, especially give Bail Organa a genuine dirty water hot dog is, is something <laughs> I did not know I needed Star Wars. So great stuff today, everybody. Uh, all right. Hey, we are the Force Center Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. You can like our Facebook page, Force Center Podcast. We're also on Instagram and YouTube. Podcast is available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Spotify, and more. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. You can follow me at Cadnapsock. Go to my website, cadnapsock.com, for information on upcoming comedy shows like Four Nights in Washington, D.C. in December. Uh, get tickets there. Uh, Mark Ellis and I are going to be at the Comedy Loft. And also got a charity spotlight on there. You can find uh, many things that might interest you to plug uh, yourself into to uh, uh, pay attention to the world outside your own walls, which I uh, something I uh, try to remind myself to do every day. Joseph, what about you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out all of my other comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. In particular, if you're a Marvel fan, uh, the most recent episode of my other podcast, Obsessed, is my wife, Sarah, and I discussing The Eternals. We really enjoyed it. Thought it was really fun and different and intriguing about the future of the MCU. So if you're interested, again, you can check that out, as well as all of my other comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshot.com check it out my friends all right we're out of here for today so for uh all the executives making all the big decisions in hollywood for sabine wren and a good old genuine dirty water hot dog we'll see you next time here on force Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.